Well, I hope that you've enjoyed uh, our Hope in the Dark series. It ended up being a little bit longer than we anticipated, thanks to COVID. But um, I am just been so thoroughly enjoying talking about how to have uh, hope in the dark, real faith for your real world. Um, you can find all of the, the messages on our website, or maybe you've been uh, taking notes or catching up and listening to the podcasts. Um, but let me give you a quick recap of what we've learned so far about what it means to have hope in the dark. We need to start with God's Word. We find hope in the dark by starting with God's Word. When we do that, you and I find success. We learned that from Psalm 1. We can have hope in the dark by viewing God as our shepherd. Shepherd who provides everything we need in life. We learned that in Psalm 23. We can have hope in the dark by refusing to waste the waiting. We learned that God well, sometimes doesn't answer prayers on the timing that we would like. And so we learned four things that we can be doing in the meantime so that we don't waste the waiting from Psalm 40. We can have hope in the dark by confessing rather than hiding sin. We learned that from Psalm 32. We can have hope in the dark by recognizing the benefits of living for eternity, of investing for eternity, not just the moment. And we learned that from Psalm 73. And then when I was away with Crosstalk Global, Alex Banks came and shared how we can have hope in the dark by forgiving others without keeping score and in the way God has forgiven us. We learned that from Matthew 18, verses 21 through 35. We learned that we can have hope in the dark by praising God. And if we're going to praise God, we need to praise God wherever we are for everything He is and everything that He's done with everything we've got. We learned that from Psalm 150. And then, thanks to COVID, we learned from our friends at uh, Crosstown Alliance through a video message that they shared with us that uh, we can have hope in the dark by remembering that the heart of Jesus, the core of who He is, is gentle and lowly. And He's inviting us to draw near to Him. We learned that from Matthew 11, verses 28 to 30. And last week, we learned that we can have hope in the dark by rejoicing in how God uses His power to provide for His people. And that's true for everyone. And if you wonder, wait, God, what have you been doing for me lately? Where is your power for me? We learned that all we need to do is step outside. Maybe turn off our phones and turn off some distractions and see how God has created everything perfect in creation for you and I to be blessed. And He does this for anyone, regardless of whether they come to faith in Jesus. That's why He created all things, because He wants to bless us. He wants to provide. And what a blessing it is to recognize that 
provision. If you've missed some of our series or all of this is new to you, I want to encourage you to drop by our podcast and listen to the full messages in their entirety. That's just like a a snippet, a snapshot. You don't get the full story of what we've talked about over the last uh, nine weeks. Uh, Most of the messages are there. If you'd like the message from Crosstown Alliance, you can go to their website, Crosstown Alliance, and look at their recent series, The Heart of Jesus. The very first message is the one that they uh, shared with us while uh, we were all under quarantine. We're very thankful for that. But my prayer is, my hope is, that you have found this series to give you hope. That this has been something that's been refreshing and has replenished your soul in, well, a dark world. More specifically, I hope that it's refreshed your soul and provided you with real faith for the world that you're experiencing, the circumstances that you're experiencing right now. And as we wrap up, I want to point you to something that could be something that's dangerous. There's another dimension that you and I need to wrestle with and wrestle through if we're going to talk about how do we have real faith for the real world, nothing that's abstract, but something that's really concrete for the situations that we find ourselves in and the circumstances that we are facing in our lives today. There's a danger with all of these biblical truths that we've talked about. All of these truths have something in common. They are all focused on looking inward. They're all focused on looking inside of ourselves. They're all focused on self-focus. And the problem with self-focus is this. We can take that too far. You see, there's two sides to being a healthy person, right? You need to eat well, and you need to... Uh-oh, I'm concerned now. No, one, no one's sure what is the other thing that you should do to be, be healthy. It's, it's good eating and exercise. Thank you. Whew. thought we were going to have to um, backtrack a little bit on that. Imagine if all we did was eat to be healthy. All we did was keep eating and eating and eating. What would happen? We'd be unhealthy eventually because we had too much focused on what we were bringing into our bodies. Here's the challenge that we face when we turn introspective and we start with self-focus. Self-focus can turn into self-absorption, self-centeredness, self-obsession. We can turn a good thing wondering, what is my relationship with God like? How am I drawing strength from Him? How am I uh, getting to be uh, hopeful in Him and hopeful in what Jesus has provided and make it so much so about us that we move from self-focused to being self-absorbed, self-centered, and self-obsessed? Now, just as a little bit of a game, as a little bit of fun, because that's a fairly serious topic, I just want to uh, ask you a question, and that is, if someone were, a friend of yours, were to come to you, uh, or a friend of yours were to come to me and say, hey, I want to tell you about you. I want to tell you about my friend. And they were to say, my friend, insert your name here, is self-absorbed. They're self-obsessed. They're self-centered. 
would you take what your friend said as a compliment? Of course you wouldn't. If I heard that describing you, my response would not be, great, they sound like a wonderful person. My response would be, wow, I need to pray for them. That's a concern. None of these things are complimentary. And it's interesting that too much self-focus, too much self-care can actually cause anxiety, not cure it. It's interesting that when we focus so much on ourselves, if we're anxious and we take too much self-focus, that it actually creates more anxiety instead of helping fix it. Without answering this question, can you think of someone that you know who has moved from being focused on themselves to being self-absorbed, self-obsessed, or self-centered? Can you think of a nation that is self-absorbed, self-obsessed, self-centered? Of course we can. Do you think those things are helpful or harmful? So as we conclude our series, I want to move away from the here's what you're eating component that we've looked at in the Psalms and move to the exercise component. Here's how we use this energy well because there's one vital key to finding hope in the dark. There's one vital key for you to have real faith in your real world. And the key is this. Life is not about you. Can I show you what I mean? If you have a Bible with you, turn with me in them to the book of Galatians. It's a famous passage. If you grew up in church, you'll know it well. It's Galatians chapter 5, starting at the 13th verse. It says this. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled with keeping this one command. And what's the command? What's it say, church? Love your neighbor as yourself. <laughs> if you bite and devour each other, watch out, or you will be destroyed by each other. What the Apostle Paul is telling to this young church in Galatia that's struggling with their faith, they're wondering if Jesus is sufficient. Should they be practicing other religious rituals like, like circumcision and obeying Jewish food laws in order to really be close to God? Paul has completely destroyed that argument and said, no, you need to trust in Jesus alone for your salvation, Jesus alone for your sanctification, for your life and for eternity. However, do not use that truth for yourself. Because 
the transformation and freedom that we want to experience only comes when we use our freedom correctly. That is, we are transformed when we use our freedom in Christ to serve others for Christ. Let me explain. How does all this work? Well, rather than using our freedom to serve ourselves, we must humbly serve others. That we clearly see from the text. But why would that have to be a command? Doesn't that make sense? Isn't that something that we would want to do? Isn't that something, well, of course, we'd want to give it away. And the problem is, as we know, sometimes when our world gets dark, we kind of focus only on us. And when we only focus on us, we tend to do whatever we need to do in order to make that dark not seem as dark. In other words, we'll do whatever it takes to be comfortable. And in order to do that, we will have to choose who's first in our lives. We will have to choose who is most important. And of course, God will be most important, but then who's next? Ah. Paul says be careful here. Because we can so easily slip into putting ourselves over others in order to make sure that we are comfortable. Sometimes, we'll do that even at the expense of making others feel uncomfortable so that we can be comfortable. And when we end up putting others over ourselves, that ultimately feeds the wrong desires in our lives, the wrong appetites in our lives. We will start to use people to get the things we want in life. And that's something that God wants to help us change. And it's in that transformation, it's in that change that God wants to give us where we begin to discover that Jesus isn't just an intellectual concept of the freedom that we have in Christ, that we are saved and that we'll be in eternity forever with him. That's where the freedom that we have intellectually, something we know, starts to move into something that we experience because of the way it transforms us. Let me show you what I mean. In the rest of uh, Galatians chapter 5, starting at 16, we read how God wants to help us. So I say, Paul says, so I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft. Hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of being led by the Spirit, is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. 
Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh, those appetites, with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. In other words, God is so interested in changing us to help us be feeding the right appetites in our lives. He says, I am going to give you the Holy Spirit to lead you. And if you listen to his leadings, listen to his promptings, listen to what he's asking you to do, something will come out into your life. Otherwise, you will live for yourself. And you will affect the relationships that you have around you in a way that just demonstrates that you are self-absorbed. That you are self-centered. That you're self-obsessed. You know, I started doing some research on this. Does serving others despite of our difficulties actually make a difference for us in any way? And thankfully, science has actually demonstrated that there's an actual, tangible, physical, and mental difference in our well-being. There was a study of volunteers that was done that people who do good have lower levels of the stress hormone cortisol on days that they did volunteer work. So you can lower the stress hormone in your body when you go and do volunteer work. By the way, did we mention that on Thursday from 9 to noon, we're going to go help with, with food link? And I know some of you have to go work, but some of you have vacation time. It's interesting. I never would have thought that that would be less stressful in my life to go and volunteer to help others. There was a series of studies done of 2,000, over 2,000 people where the researchers from the University of Pennsylvania and the University of Chicago found that after middle school students mentored younger students about studying, they ended up spending more time on their own homework. And they discovered that overweight people who counseled others on weight loss were more motivated to lose weight themselves. There was another study done, a five-year study of over 800 people who lived in Detroit that found that stressful life events appeared to take a greater toll on people who were less helpful to others, while helping others seemed to erase the detrimental physical effects of stressful experiences. That's amazing. Serve others. Serve others regardless of their status. Serve others regardless of how they got to their situation in the first place. Just serve them and it lowers your own stress. That sounds like a win. But the Bible says there's something better. That when we use the freedom that we have in Christ in order to serve others in Christ's name, then something happens to our character. Can we just have that slide up, that verse up one more time, that last uh, slide of the verse? I want you to read the fruit of the Spirit with me. The fruit of the Spirit is love. All right, let's end there. Has anyone ever told you, you know what? You love too much. You're too at peace. 
You're too joyful. Stop it. You're too forbearing. Maybe no one has told you that, but uh, you're, you're too patient. No, you're too kind. We do that when we flatter people. You're too good. You're too faithful. You're too gentle. And why is it you're always self-controlled? Stop it. You're making other people look bad. No one ever says those things. But that's what the Holy Spirit wants to produce in us. And so many messages, well, let's be honest, so many messages talk about we should just be more loving. We should be more peaceful. But the secret is that Paul says it's not about you producing the fruit. It's not about that. It's about the Holy Spirit putting these things in you as you follow His leading. What does that mean? Um, I think one of the best examples I've ever heard of this uh, was a, is a book that I'm reading uh, by John and Dave Ferguson called BLESS. It's an acronym. And they walk through the book about how being a blessing to others is actually a doorway to inviting people to follow Jesus and to trust them with their lives. But it starts with by simply wanting to bless the people around you. And I meant to bring the book over and in the middle of baptism and guitar and music and sermon, the book is sitting by my computer where I practice the messages every Sunday. So I'm going to summarize as best I can. The book starts off with, if you want to be a blessing to your neighbors, if you want to love your neighbors as yourself, can I just recommend that you start, begin with prayer? Because prayer invites God to speak to you. Prayer invites God to start to open your eyes. Prayer starts to show you who you might be a blessing to. Your actual physical neighbors that surround your home or your apartment. The people at work. It makes you more sensitive to what God might want you to be doing to be a blessing to others. And so he gives a number of suggestions of what to do, all to start with the letter P. He says, first of all, plan to pray. Plan to pray. Set a time when you're going to pray that God would help you be a blessing. That God would help you. Who is it, God, that you are going to bring into mind? He also suggests that you think about the places that you're going to go through, uh, go, go to each day. Where are you going to be? Who might you run into? Lord, would you make me aware of what you are doing and how I can respond in that moment? Would you make me sensitive to that? Would you take me to the places where you need me to be, even if that's not on my agenda? And intentionally praying for the neighbors you know and asking God daily to make you a blessing to someone else. It changes your perspective on your entire agenda. It changes your perspective on what you need to be doing within your day. Highly recommend the book. It's just called Bless, B-L-E-S-S. -S. 
and it's by Dave Ferguson and John Ferguson. It's a really practical way to start to live out what this passage is talking about. Because the the blessings that we receive on top of that are immense. As we start to sacrifice our agenda, as we start to sacrifice what is going on in our lives, the, the circumstances, no matter how big they are, as we start to say, God, there's something that can be done here. I can be a blessing here. There's a transformation that begins to happen because as we start to listen to the Spirit and be led by the Spirit, then we will be transformed by the Spirit. Now, I know you're all busy, and I know you've got plans. I know you've got a way that you keep things lined up in your day to say, here's the things I have to get done. And if you're one of those people that likes a list, a checkbox of, I got all these things done today, what we just read and heard is absolutely terrifying. I get that. I am one of those people. I love to have a list of things to do, and I love to click the done, done, done. Sometimes I love to just click tomorrow, 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 just to make room. Don't, that, that feels good. I love that sort of thing. These kinds of prayers, this type of invitation to open yourself up to the leading of the Spirit, to be a blessing to the people you know and the people God wants to introduce you to, can be terrifying because it means but I have a plan, God, and you're asking me to offer it up. I have things I want to do, and you're asking me to submit them to you. But can we just see that scripture, that last slide one more time again? Maybe, there it is. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified, put to death their own self-absorption with its passions and desires. Thank you. We've already said that Jesus is first in our lives. The difference is, is the fact that Jesus is first in our lives making a difference in our day. Because there's things that God wants for you to do as he leads you by the Spirit that you can only do if you're open to letting him lead, not dictating the agenda. It's not wrong to have plans. It's not wrong to make those kinds of uh, plans. But as James says... It's wrong to say that this is what we will do. As a matter of fact, James counsels that he suggests that we say, if it's the Lord's will, here's our plan. But if the Lord has a different will, then that's what we'll do instead. Didn't Jesus himself say that if anybody wants to follow me, he must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow him. In other words, they must put to death their agenda. And I think of no better way that we can do that. If we were to start our day or to pray regularly during our day, to plan to pray regularly, God, 
how might I be a blessing in your name to someone else today? I think um, one of the other things in the book that I thought was really fascinating was that I shared a quote from a friend of his that said, you know, some people have go through their entire lives without anyone praying for them, ever. And imagine what it would be like for you to just pray for your neighbor. You may not know them fully, but if you were to pray for a blessing for them, pray for good health, good relationships, uh, their finances, pray for their, their safety, pray for their openness to the gospel, who knows? And then you get a chance to talk to them. And all of a sudden, they start to share, here's something that's happening in their life. And it's something that you didn't know that that was something you could be praying for, but you were doing it. That is an amazing feeling. One of the things I loved about what we saw in our baptism time today was a story of a dad telling his daughter that he was absolutely proud of the decisions that she had made over the years, the commitment that she had made to Christ. And it's one thing to hear those kinds of stories. It's another to be in that story yourself. You can have that same level of impact for someone else simply by choosing to listen to the Spirit as He leads to say, Lord, no matter what else happens during my day, would you make me a blessing? Would you help me to use the freedom that I have in Christ for Christ? I want to use that for Him. We are transformed we learn what it means to love, to be patient, when we give the Holy Spirit permission to lead us in this way, permission to interrupt our agendas, permission to interrupt our darkness so that we can be a blessing. And the circumstances may not change for whatever we're facing, but we will. We will become like Christ like we said, we don't, I don't know of anyone who says, you're too loving, too joyful. It's terrible. Stop it. Following the Spirit's lead in your life to serve others will ultimately bless you as your own character is transformed. That is what faith and exercise, uh, food and exercise look like together. It's not just about who am I with God? Am I on the right path with God? But how am I being used as a blessing? And am I willing to do that? It leads to real character. I can think of no better example of someone who showed us what it meant to deny themselves and to take up their cross than the one who died for our sins. And the one who had his body broken for us and his blood shed for us.
And as we get ready to participate in communion, I want to invite you to be thinking of a, a few things. The one is uh, uh, this is not a table that's specifically reserved for members of Trinity Alliance Church. It's open to anyone who has trusted in Jesus Christ for their salvation. I believe that he died for their sins and that God raised him from the dead and that they've chosen to follow him. It's open to anyone. And as we are giving thanks for the love that Jesus has shown us through the symbols of his body and the symbols of his blood. As you give thanks for that, why not let your thanks be a commitment to walk in the Spirit as he did, to be a blessing to others as he was a blessing to others? I would invite our elders to come forward Krista to come and to lead us. We're going to distribute both the elements together, and then I'd ask you to hold on to them, and we'll pray and take each one uh, together one at a time. Let's prepare to receive communion together. I believe 
It's a new horizon And I'm set on you And you meet me here today With mercies that are new All my fears and doubts They can all come to Because they can't stay long When I'm here with you It's a new horizon And I'm set on you And you meet me here today With mercies that are new All my fears and doubts They can all come too Because they can't stay long When I believe you are The way The truth The life I believe you are The way The truth The life I believe you What an amazing truth we just sung. The way and the truth and the life is our way through the dark. As we surrender to his will and his spirit's leading each and every morning, each and every moment. The blessing that God wants to bring into the world might be through us. And it's all because of the blessing that was brought into the world through him. The sacrifice that he made for us. Let us not take lightly our remembrance. Nor let us take lightly our commitment. As we say thank you to him. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, in this moment, we ask that your Holy Spirit would lead us to a new experience, a new understanding, a new reality of the sacrifice you have made for us. We are thankful for the difference it has made. Not just that we know we have freedom, but that we have tasted it. We have experienced freedom as we have followed in your footsteps. We thank you for your body that was broken for us, for the love that you showed us, 
for what you endured because of us. As we take this symbol of your body, as we do it together, we remember you. Let's partake together. Continue to pray. Lord, we know from your word that without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. And because of the perfect sacrifice, the blood of Jesus has purified us. May we never take lightly your sacrifice. May that impact the degree in which we live our thankfulness and our commitment to use the freedom that you have given us to help others find freedom. To serve others humbly in love. To love our neighbors, the people you bring into contact with us as ourselves. Lord, we remember you as we partake this symbol of your shed blood. In your name we pray. Amen. Let's enjoy together. Would you stand with me as we close? Church, hear this proclamation. You have hope in your dark because you are free in Christ. Let's share that hope. You are free to serve. We are so blessed. Let's be the blessing that God wants us to be in this world by humbly serving other people with the same love that we have been shown. Amen? Amen.